All August long, we're giving away our subscription-only digestible daily show Cubs Pod, which is ad-supported here by the Bleacher Bunch on the Fans First Network. For early ad-free Cubs Pod, subscribe at patreon.com slash sunranto and become a super ranter today. It is August 20th, 2023, and this is Cubs Pod. This is your daily dose of digestible Cubs content from Bleacher Bunch Productions for the Fans First Sports Network. We do this for all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. And if you would like to be a Patreon supporter, go to Patreon slash Sunranto and give us a dollar. You will start to get these things in your feed every single game and not just in August when we're giving them away for free so that you can check us out. All right, let's jump right into Saturday's game. The stories of the game were really that Justin Steele had another great outing. He went six innings. He only gave up two runs and actually impressively kept the ball in the park on a day when the wind was just howling out. Uh, The other story of the game, of course, is Cody Bellinger, who took advantage of that wind howling out to get two home runs in this game. He also drove in four runs. So by himself, he tied what the Royals were able to do with their whole team. On the downside, we had uh, a little bit of a rough outing from Merriweather. And Ross GPT did its thing against uh, Michael Fulmer. So Fulmer gave up a run as well. But Adbert Alzali keeps proving He is the closer on this team, and he's great at it. In the first inning, Justin Steele sat the Royals down 1-2-3, even though they needed a double play to pull that off. Uh, The second batter of the game got a hit to Candelario. The throw was late. He was called out. I don't know what the umps were thinking. It was really, really obvious that he had beaten the throw, but... Hey, whatever. The Cubs didn't worry too much about it because Horner and Swanson turned a double play real quick after that and no damage done. In the Cubs' half of the first inning, uh, Mike Talkman grounded out, but then Nico Horner reached on a on an error by Bobby Witt Jr. over at shortstop. I, it was weird. It was like a little league error. He ran up easy play gonna throw him out and just absolutely hit his hit the heel of his glove and pop behind him Horner doesn't get a hit but he is on and then he immediately steals second base and once again the umps call him out and it didn't make any sense because when you look at it he's not out like nobody thought he was out except for the ump who is the guy who is closest to the play I don't know what's going on Maybe they need a different kind of mask so that they can actually see plays because these guys were not seeing these plays at all. Horner steals second base, gets called out. They have to review it. And then, of course, he's safe. 
Ian Happ popped out, and then Cody Bellinger came up. And like I said, uh, all they talked about on the radio was how much the wind was blowing out. I thought maybe there was just going to be a ton of home runs in this game, especially after Cody Bellinger jumped up there and hit a wind-aided home run right in the first inning. And you could kind of tell it was wind-aided because Taylor out there in left field for the Royals uh, was tracking this ball and really watching it. And you just get the idea that he he really thought this ball was coming down into the field of play. He was going to get a you know, warning track out. Instead, it landed like three rows back in those bleachers. So maybe not you know, the most impressive, powerful home run you've ever seen, but impressive smart because Bellinger got up there, knew where the wind was, knew the wind was blowing out, and he just put the ball over to the left side, opposite field for him, and that, and just got it up in the air so it would travel out. And guess what? That's exactly what it did, and the Cubs were up 2 nothing. Swanson followed that up with a single, but then Morell struck out, and that was the end of the inning. The Cubs were up two to nothing in the second inning the Royals did threaten it looked like it was going to be a very very bad inning for Justin Steele uh jumped out there Salvador Perez hit a single uh Freddie Furman he hit a double and it's funny because when I'm listening on the radio every time I hear that name I think it's Vermin Yes, I think there's a rat out there on the field hitting baseballs and I love that image in my head. Salvador Perez is not very fast otherwise, uh, which is good for the Cubs because he only made it over to third base on that double. You could really see that somebody, one of these other guys, they have a lot of fast guys on their team, could have scored from first if it had been one of them out there, but it was not. It was Salvador Perez and he had to stop at third. And then we had guys at second and third, no outs. And, you know, you just wonder, okay, Steel, like, is this going to be a very bad inning? Is this going to be, what are we going to have in this game? But as Steel always does, he just locked it down. He turned it around. I mean, the guy, I mean, the na- it's, it, you want to say nerves of Steel, but you also don't want to say nerves of Steel because... Of course, his name's Steele, and the pun is just too easy and overused. But, I mean, he just is not phased out there. And he gets Matt Duffy to ground out. Uh, Salvador Perez did score on the play because uh, there was really no other play except for going to first on that. And it probably would have been stupid to try and throw out the runner going home, even if it is slow, old Salvador Perez. But then uh, Samad Taylor grounds out, Andrew Waters grounds out, and all of a sudden, this inning that looked like it it could just go the wrong way, uh, we're done. We're out. They did score one run, and but that was it. Justin Steele just continues to impress out there. In the bottom of the second, Jamer Candelario led the inning off with a triple out to right field. And Seiya Suzuki did his job by getting the sack fly out to center that gave him enough time to score, and the Cubs go up 3-1 to one in the second. Uh, Jan Gomes singled, Mike Tauchman singled, and all of a sudden we had some more stuff going on, and it's like, yeah, we might break this thing open right now. Uh, but then, you know, Nico Horner hit into a ground out, and 
so did Ian Happ, and the top of the lineup just didn't quite get it done. One, two, three in the third for Steele with one strikeout. And then you go to the bottom of the third. Cody Bellinger is back up for the second time in this game. And guess what he did? He elevated a ball into the air going to left center field. A little opposite field action for him. And why was he doing that? Because the wind was blowing out. Apparently, Cody Bellinger is the only player on either one of these two teams that understands that when the wind is blowing out at Wrigley, you can get some homers if you just hit the way that you're supposed to be trying to hit. Put the ball up into that wind, going the direction the wind is going. That's how this works. Cody Bellinger apparently is good enough to do that, and no one else is, because these were the only two home runs on a day when the wind was just really blowing out. So, very surprising. You know, maybe the pitchers are just good, but I think it's more that Bellinger knows what he's doing and everybody else can't seem to get that through their heads or get it done. And even though, yes, he put it up into the wind, this one was much more of a no-doubter. Uh, went further into the bleachers, but also the outfielders saw it going and at no point did they run and think that maybe they were going to catch that ball. They knew it was gone because Cody Bellinger can hit the ball very hard and very far. It was a solo shot this time around because he was leading off the inning. And then uh, Swanson, Morell, and Candelario went down in order right after him. So the Cubs leave the third inning with a 4-1 to one lead. In the fourth, Justin Steele gave up a double to start the inning off, but then he struck out the next three batters in order. So, it doesn't matter if you give up a hit early, if you can just strike everybody out the rest of the time. In the Cubs' bottom of the fourth, they scored again, and not only did they score, but they ran the starting pitcher, Brady Singer, from this game. Suzuki led off the inning with a single. Then Jan Gomes walked. Mike Mike Talkman struck out. Nico singled and moved Suzuki to third and Jan Gomes to second, which means you've got a bases-loaded situation and Ian Happ up to bat. Uh, It could have gone better, but at least it didn't go bad. Ian Happ hit a single to right field and Sayo was able to score from third. Bases are still loaded and up comes Cody Bellinger, who has done nothing but hit home runs so far in this game. And uh, you figure, wow, let's do it again, Cody. Let's get the grand salami and bring everybody in. Well, he tried, but he wasn't able to pull that off this time. He once again put the ball in the air over to left field. Unfortunately, the pitch was up in the strike zone and he kind of got it off the end of the bat. So there wasn't a lot of power behind it. The ball went up, sliced towards uh, towards the stands. It looks like it might go foul, but Samad Taylor was able to get there, grab the ball, and throw it in. Unfortunately, not fast enough to get. Jan Gomes broke for the plate from third, trying to beat the throw. Uh, Jan Gomes is not very fast, and it's very likely that 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 they could have gotten him, except for they could not handle the ball. Taylor threw it into Duffy. Duffy 
relayed it into the plate, but the ball was kind of up and high on the throw. And right then you had Jan Gomes coming in, barreling down, sliding, and Salvador Perez just really didn't have a chance to catch that ball. Uh, maybe if he had jumped, I don't know. He might have been able to catch the ball, but he wasn't going to be able to make that tag. So the run scores on the bad throw from Duffy. The Cubs still had Happ and Horner out on the bases, and they performed a double steal. Then uh, Dansby Swanson walked to load the bases yet again, and that was the end for Brady Singer. Uh, they, the Royals brought in Tucker Davidson, and Christopher Morrell grounded out to Bobby Witt Jr., and the inning was over. Steele continued to dominate in the fifth, uh, struck out Taylor, Waters grounded out, Daron Blanco got a single, but then MJ Melendez grounded out, and that was it. Nothing, no damage there at all. Uh, in the bottom of the fifth, the Cubs went down in order to Tucker Davidson. In the sixth, the Royals actually did a little bit more damage against Steele. Bobby Witt Jr. led off with a single. Um, Massey grounded out, but then Bobby Witt Jr. stole second base, and then Steele hit Salvador Perez with a pitch, and so that means you guys, you got guys at the corners. Freddie Furman hit a weak chopper to Candelario. Uh, the only play he had was to go over to first, and the run scored. But then Steele struck out Matt Duffy to get out of the inning, and it, the score was then six to two. Taylor Hearn came in to pitch for the Royals, and he sat the Cubs down in order in the seventh. Then uh, the Cubs switched out Justin Steele for Julian Merriweather, which made sense. Justin Steele was getting up around 800 pitches. Uh, actually, it was it was 99. So yeah, 99 pitches getting through the sixth inning. It was time. You know, pull him out, put in Merriweather. Merriweather's been good, so no real concerns there, right? Yeah, except for Merriweather wasn't all that good in this game. Started the inning off striking out Samad Taylor, which was good. But then he walked Drew Waters and he walked Daron Blanco. And then MJ Melendez got, he struck out. So now, you know, so you're feeling like, ah, maybe it's not going to be too bad. But then Bobby Witt Jr. singles and that drives in a run. And it's all of a sudden it's six to three. Cubs over the Royals. But then Merriweather strikes out Michael Massey and they're out of the inning. I'm just saying, look, it was a little touch and go in this one. Merriweather wasn't really sharp. He had the two walks, but he did have three strikeouts. But hey, the numbers don't always tell you everything that's happening in the game. Uh, he was able to buckle down and get through the inning, but it was a bit of a white knuckler. John McMillan came in in the seventh for the for the Royals and sat the Cubs down, starting with Bellinger, then going to Swanson and Morrell. Two strikeouts and a pop-out. Cubs do nothing. In the eighth, Michael Fulmer uh, comes in for Julian Merriweather, uh, gives up a single to Salvador Perez right away. Uh, Freddie Furman pops out, and then uh, he had a wild pitch. And Perez was able to move over to second base. But then Fulmer gets uh, Matt Duffy to line out. And now Fulmer has, you know, he's got two outs. And he's got a very slow Salvador Perez out there on second base. So, I don't know. 
I'm going to leave the guy in. That's me. If I'm watching this game, if I'm playing or uh, managing this game, Fulmer is going to get an opportunity to get the third out. There's no real point to bringing in somebody new right here, but Ross GPT says you have to do such things. Now, I don't know if it was something that, you know, that they saw with Fulmer that they didn't want him going after another batter, and so that's why they pulled him, or if it was because the Royals brought in a pinch hitter, Kyle Isbell, and I'm sure there's just some numbers out there that tell you, well, if Kyle Isbell's out there, there's no way Michael Fulmer could ever face Kyle Isbell because that would be very bad. Uh, They'll hit a 12-run home run and we'll lose by 15 because that's what the numbers say, I guess. So they bring in Mark Leiter Jr., which, you know, look, I've got confidence in Mark Leiter Jr. It's not like a terrible thing. I just think that you let your guys get a chance to get out of the inning. They got two outs, a slow runner. Like, just let him go. Let him go. Get the inning out of him versus pulling him and bringing in a guy that's got an inherited runner. And he hasn't pitched at all in this game. And it's just, it's weird. I don't know why David Ross continues to see the two outs and have to bring in a pitcher for the one out to get out of the inning and I know sometimes you got to do it but not all the time like it it just happens so often it's crazy how many times he pulls somebody who really I don't know look Fulmer could have gotten out of that inning that's what I'm saying instead they bring in lighter lighter's a good pitcher he just gave up a double and maybe it's because he was fresh out there and facing a batter for the, I don't know. It didn't work out though. Whatever the Ross GPT was telling him, it didn't work out because Kyle Isbell hit a double that scored Salvador Perez from second. And then Drew Waters struck out. So apparently Leiter was the guy to put in there for Drew Waters, not Kyle Isbell. I don't know. It's These things, they drive me nuts. You know this. Just let Fulmer get through his inning. Anyway, the Royals switched out their pitching as well. Jackson Coar came in and replaced uh, John McMillan, who I missed earlier had come into the game, to relieve Taylor Hearn. Just like John McMillan, uh, Jackson Coar sat the Cubs down in order. So it's off to the top of the ninth. The Cubs have a two-run lead, and they call on their closer, Adbert Alzali, to come in and get it done, which he does. He gets a pop-out from Darren Blanco. Then uh, MJ Melendez did get a single, but Bobby Witt Jr. struck out, and then Michael Massey grounded out to Jamer Candelario, who threw it over to Cody Bellinger for the end of the game. It was a good performance by the Cubs in this game. Uh, Maybe, you know, mainly it was Bellinger, I guess. But, hey, at least they have one guy on their team that understands what he needs to do when the wind's blowing out, and that's hit a couple of home runs. But, of course, nobody else did. I mean, nobody on the Royals were hitting home runs either. So, even though the wind was blowing out, and it definitely helped that first belly bomb, I don't understand. Maybe it just wasn't as helpful as 
Pat was telling me on the radio. But the Cubs win this one by two runs, probably because they had a much better lineup than the one where they lost by one run. And maybe if you had put that lineup in or a, a better lineup at least, they could have they could have won the both games. They only lost by one with a bad lineup. It's like these players have to battle against all the decisions that are being made for how they're out there playing, which is frustrating. Because if you remember the day before, you had Morell, Horner, Hap, Bellinger, Swanson, Gomes, Suzuki, Candelario, Wisdom into this game. And that was not a good, that's not a, a good lineup. Why is Wisdom in there? Why isn't Talkman in there? They win games when Talkman plays. Uh, it just it is so frustrating that they keep doing this. Morell as the leadoff hitter. Like, what are they thinking? And seriously, why is Bellinger not our third hitter? Why isn't it Bellinger three, Swanson four? Then maybe you put Happ in there at five. I don't know. He doesn't need to be three, though. I mean, he did drive in a run uh, in this game, but in general, he's just not. He's not the three-hitter. He's not the three-hitter. And, you know, they did do something yesterday, though, that was good for this lineup, good for the team, and something that the Sunranto Show has been calling for for a very long time. Tucker Barnhart finally, finally got DFA'd. So now the Cubs only have two catchers. So Amaya is going to start getting some more catching time. Thank goats. Oh my goodness. Why have they been making him sit on the bench so often when you have Tucker Barnhart out there just not playing well? Look, Tucker Barnhart's a bazillion times better than I will ever be at probably anything. But at this point, he's not a good catcher on a major league baseball team and he hasn't been all year and I don't understand why it took them four or five months to figure that out but just so you know every good Cubs decision comes with a you know a little bit of a head scratcher and they called Miles Masterboni back from Iowa because Miles Masterboni has done nothing but why is Miles Masterboni coming back what look I Finally, thank you. Getting rid of Tucker Barnhart. That was the way to go. But you don't have anyone else down there that you can bring up besides Miles Masterboni, who's shown over and over that he's not the guy for this team. Really? I don't know. After you stop carrying three catchers, maybe you bring up a starter or another reliever, that a long reliever or something, because... Uh, Marcus Stroman is broke, and he's probably not coming back this season. But no, hey, let's uh, let's try Miles Masterboni out for the 27th time this year. The Cubs will be playing a game today at uh, 1.20 Chicago Standard Time. It is a Sunday. I'm a little concerned because the Cubs tend to lose on Sundays. That's why you don't give up the game on Friday with that bad lineup, because you know Sunday's coming. Now, in our, uh, you know, in the defense of the Cubs on Sundays, uh, we're going with Kyle Hendricks today. So hopefully he can do everything that he needs to do to keep the Royals from scoring. 
Kyle Hendricks has only seen three players on the Royals. Matt Beatty has uh, two hits in two at-bats. He's hitting a 1,000, but it's only two at-bats. But it is a home run, so that's not great. Uh, Matt Duffy has seen Kyle Hendricks seven times, and he has never gotten a hit off of Kyle at all. So that's very good. And then Salvador Perez, five times, he has one hit. That's it. Those are the only guys that have seen uh, Kyle Hendricks. And Kyle has been doing pretty good. He's not great, obviously, but you know he's got a four ERA, 61 strikeouts. He's either there or he's not, it seems like. Uh, so let's hope he's there today and he gives us a good game. For the Royals, uh, we're going to see Jordan Lyles. And we have seen Jordan Lyles before in uh, a few different uniforms. Uh, he's been kicking around for quite a while. He started with Houston back in 2011, jumped to Colorado for a few years, then to San Diego. Uh, but then San Diego traded him to Milwaukee, and that's where we started seeing him. And then uh, Milwaukee traded him to Pittsburgh. Then uh, Pittsburgh traded him back to Milwaukee. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he signed with Pittsburgh, and then Pittsburgh traded him back to Milwaukee. I don't know what's going on over there, but he was playing for Pittsburgh, then playing for Milwaukee. And so the Cubs have seen him a few different times. He then went to Texas for a couple years, then to Baltimore, and now he is at Kansas City. He has a career record of 69-103. and 103. Nice? I mean, I guess it's nice for the Cubs. And he also has a 521 career ERA. And he wishes that he had a 521 ERA this year because he's up at 6.3 ERA Right now, he does have 91 strikeouts, but he's 3-13 and 13 on the season. Not that pitcher wins mean anything. Uh, but a number of the Cubs have seen him before. Uh, but nobody really does all that well against him. Uh, but they, you know, even though they've seen him before, they haven't seen him much. Candelario has seen him the most, uh, but he's only got one hit in 10 at-bats. Cody Bellinger is 0 for 4. Gomes is 0 for 3. Horner is over three. Suzuki's over three. Talkman's over three. And Wisdom is over two. Uh, Dansby Swanson has three hits in six tries, and one of those was a home run. And then uh, Ian Happ has one hit in three tries, and that one hit was a homer. So let's hope we get a couple of those today. And since it is Sunday, let's take a quick run through the standings. I'll tell you right now, with that win yesterday, the Cubs were able to jump into that last end-of-season tournament spot. They are tied with the Reds, uh, but they are percentage, just minor percentage points ahead of the Reds. So they're technically in that spot over the Reds for right now. But the Brewers just keep winning when we win and losing when we lose. And so they aren't running away with it, but the Cubs can't seem to gain any traction. They are three games back. And I still contend to this day that like we shouldn't even really be worried about the wild card at all. I mean, I guess it's great. Fine. You get in wild card, whatever. I hate it because it's this, you know, almost half of the teams get in and it's just kind of stupid. I would rather see a central division, uh, title. 
That's what I want to see. I want to see the Central Division title because there's no reason the Cubs should not be running away with this division right now. Oh, wait, there is a reason. It's called Ross GPT, and it's called Jed Hoyer, and they have been making so many bad decisions that even though this team is actually a pretty good team and has gotten better over the year, like, seriously, the start of the season, I don't think this was a great team. It wasn't a very, it wasn't even a very good team. And then, of course, uh, they finally started doing the things that all the fans wanted. And as they did that, the team got better and better and better, like getting rid of Hosmer, getting rid of Tucker Barnhart finally, uh, you know, sending guys down, getting rid of Mancini, getting rid of like all these like bad, the players that were holding them back. Uh, so again, this, this team, the Cubs, we should not be in this position. The Cubs should absolutely be dominating this division. And it is frustrating that they are not, but Hey, that's where we're at. And now we just have to hope that the Brewers finally sputter in the end of this season, which historically they have shown that they do not do. But the Cubs need to keep beating teams like the Royals if they want to keep pace and have a chance at that title because we will see the Brewers for that last series of the season. I would like to have the lead, as J.D. has been talking. Uh, The Cubs could be in first place at that point. I would love to see that rather than trying to catch the Brewers in that last series. All right, though, let's get into these standings. The Braves are still winning out in the East. Of course, they are 80 and 42, uh, 13 and a half games ahead of the Phillies. 13 and a half games ahead of the Phillies. Now, that's how you do it. You just step on people's necks. The Marlins, who are a half game back in the wild card uh, where the Cubs are fighting, uh, they are in third. And then the Mets and the Nationals bring it up the rear. In the Central, uh, as I said before, the Brewers have a three-game lead over the Cubs and the Reds, who are in a virtual tie, even though the Cubs are just slightly better by percentage points. Um, The Pirates are in fourth, and the Cardinals are dead freaking last. The Cardinals are 10 games behind the Reds and the Cubs, 13 behind the Brewers, and I love to see it. And I hope this continues for many, many years. I hope the Cardinals are just terrible. The Dodgers out in the West are in first place. They, you know, a lot of the season they were battling with the Diamondbacks a little bit. They're kind of going back and forth. It was really close. Uh, They are, they've decided to run away with it. It's the, as the season went on and on, all the upstart teams fell off. And now the Dodgers are winning that division by 12 games. The San Francisco Giants are in second place. And the Diamondbacks, who had a good first half of their season, have completely fallen off. They are 13 games back. The Padres, 18. And the lowly, lowly Rockies are 28 games back in that division. God, that's a bad team. And as bad as the Cubs have been over the last couple of years in their front office decision-making, man, they they look like geniuses compared to what's going on there in Colorado. Let's jump over to the American League. The Orioles are leading the East by two and a half games over the Rays. 
the Blue Jays are eight and a half back, and then you got the Red Sox and the Yankees bringing up the rear. Uh, the Yankees are 16 games back in their own division. They have lost seven straight games. Tough to see that, Yankees. In the Central Division, the Twins are four games above 500, and they are uh, walking away with that division a little bit. Uh, the Guardians are in second, five games back. Then it's the Tigers, the White Sox, and the lowly, lowly Royals, who the Cubs should be beating the pants off of and are instead playing tight games where they're losing by one run because the front office and the management decide to put out dumb lineups. Uh, they are 24 and a half games back in the worst division in baseball. They're 24 and a half games back in a division that is twice as bad as the National League Central. Let that sink in and then try and figure out like why the, I guess maybe that's the reason, maybe like the front office thought, well, we don't actually have to put out a good lineup. The Royals are terrible, but uh, it didn't work out. Going through the West, you have the Rangers uh, above the Astros right now. Rangers are in first. Astros are in second, two and a half games back. Uh, they are both have been battling, battling for this, but the Astros can't seem to you know, gain any ground on the Rangers. Both teams are on losing streaks. Well, the Rangers have lost three straight. The Astros have lost two, but... So they've gained one game over the last, like, three. But that has been a fun battle to see. The Mariners are in third place. They are four games back of the division. They have won five straight games uh, right now. They're on a streak. So maybe maybe they can be the dark horse and sort of sneak in. They are currently the third wildcard team behind the Astros and the Rays. But, again, this is a team, the Mariners... Mariners and the Astros would both be in the end-of-season tournament if it started right now, but they're both thinking about getting that division title. Like I said, just this whole wildcard thing, great. Everybody gets in. Who cares? How about you go for the division title? Because anymore, with the end-of-season tournament being what it is, the true titles are the divisions, and then they just do an end-of-season tournament to see who wins the other prize. But that's it for me. I've gone way too long yet again, and uh, I'm going to check you later uh, over on the disc. The Shanklist game discussions are open to anybody who wants to jump in there with the Discord account. Uh, all the rest of the Discord is for Patreon only and it is a great perk. We have great conversations over there all the time with people who actually understand and know baseball. But I am safe at home. Spugog.